You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore dadam. So we are officially 50 days away. It's a pretty long time, but I mean, it's a, I don't know. It feels small, and then you say two months, and it's like, oh, come on. But 50 days, man. Don't say two months. Just say 50 days. It feels smaller in my mind. Unless it's smaller in your mind the other way, then do the other way. But that's okay, because I got even better news. Tomorrow, it will be one week until the first day of training camp. July 25th. It's the 17th, man. So a week from today, I'll be saying tomorrow. Oh, sorry, I got a little excited. As in, you know, stuff is happening. Aaron Rodgers is going to throw a football. Somebody's going to catch it. Ideally on the offense. Oh, it's going to be awesome. Also, not ideally on the offense, because that's also awesome, but terrible. It's going to be great. But whilst we patiently wait, why don't we talk about a few things? Again, it's going to be a bit of a grab bag. As always, if you have any questions, be sure to check the description. There's a phone number there. There's a link to get into the Facebook group. If you want to directly message me on Twitter, that's also fine. Pack underscore daddy, as I say in the intro. However you feel the most comfortable, whatever gets you the most motivated, just go on ahead and do that. But let's take our break and uh, have a little chat. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So to start off with, I want to go to some of the voicemails, or at least one. The other one's going to take some time to think about, um, which is also a problem with some of the questions. If I haven't answered your question yet in the voicemail, 
Um, it's just it, it's just going to take some time to think about is primarily, you know, I see it and it's like, I don't have a quick answer. And when I'm doing the podcast, it's all about quick answers because I just woke up, I just sat down, and I got to go to work pretty soon. But Andy called in again. He says he's curious with training camp coming up, who are some people you're really hoping to hear about on a regular basis, and who are some people you'd be concerned about if you didn't hear about them during training camp? I'm trying to think where that would be different. That's kind of what's most interesting to me about this part of the question, because I feel like it would be the same thing. If there's, for instance, somebody that I really want to take a big leap, I both want to hear about them and would be concerned if I don't hear about them at the same time. So I guess uh, there's a lot, you know, part of the thing that I've been saying about all the, you know, question marks that I've been referring to, as far as things that we just don't know, pretty much anything that could fall into that category would be somebody that I would both want to hear about and would be concerned if I didn't hear about. But if there's not a lot of talk about Rodgers, which there's going to be because it's Aaron Rodgers, I just don't care, right? That that doesn't mean that he's not going to be, which, I don't know. I don't want to be pessimistic because I'm trying to be excited about training camp, but at the same time, no matter what I hear, unless it's an injury, I just kind of don't care. I mean, even in the preseason, there's going to be people that stand out, and guess what that means? Nothing. <laughs> Unless and until we can see it regularly and consistently on in the regular season, it doesn't mean much. But it's a little bit of a hint, I guess. It's it's better than not hearing anything. But that would be, for example, the wide receivers. Last year during the training camp, for, and, and this is a good example of when things do translate, that's when we started hearing things were problematic with the wide receivers, right? Remember the carded practice when Aaron Rodgers just absolutely flipped out? And by the way, there was a comment in... Um, on the yesterday's podcast, something to the effect of, I don't think Aaron Rodgers has thrown anybody under the bus. This is kind of what I was referring to. Now, understand when I say throwing people under the bus, I'm not necessarily saying it's his fault and he's letting somebody take the blame for him, if that's how you use that phrase. It's not exactly what I meant. I'm just talking about, you know, it's your fault, so you're getting kicked under the bus because it's just your fault. In other words, I'm not going to cover for you. I'm just going to publicly come out and kick you right into a bus. I don't know if, if, if I'm using that incorrectly or what, but it, it's just whatever. Point is, there was a practice. They put cards in the receiver's hands and said, I want you to run this. And they couldn't do it. And Rodgers lost it. And went, not only did he lose it, uh, presumably in practice a little bit, but went on television and basically said, these guys are a bunch of dummies. I don't know how it can get any easier than somebody telling you on a card what route to run using our own terminology, and you can't figure that out. That was a pretty good indication that things were not well in the wide receiver room. So I would be, you know, almost as if hearing nothing is an improvement because last time it was bad, but it would be good to hear a little bit of positive, right? You know, it's actually almost exciting that last year there was a bit of a mental lapse with the wide receivers, and, you know, hopefully that doesn't continue. Some people just can't ever seem to figure it out. But we definitely saw as the year went on, there got to be a little bit more comfort. Now, new scheme, new terminology. If they couldn't get it last year, you know, I don't know. We'll see. But it would be nice to see somebody step up. And primarily, and I know I'm, you know, another one of my famous punching bags would be Geronimo Allison. And I don't dislike him. Again, I just think his ceiling is super limited. I think he can be a role player. I think he can have a a, a role. But... I'm, int- I, I'm I'm hopeful that we can get 
some of these top-end guys, and I'm including Jamon Moore with his great route running. I'm including, including Equinemius as just a good, solid wide receiver, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling with his super crazy athleticism and height and speed and everything else. I'm hoping one of these more top-end, higher-potential guys can kind of turn the corner a little bit and step up. Um, you know, tight end, I just I don't care. Um, every single year... For I don't know how many years we've been hearing about this great relationship between Aaron Rodgers and some tight end. If I hear all over again that Rodgers and Jimmy Graham are in sync, and again, we probably will hear it because I do expect with this scheme for for guys like whether it's Jimmy Graham, Mercedes, Jay Sternberger, whoever, they probably will improve. But I've just got the the uh, just a cynical nature about the Packers and tight ends that I'm going to hear it and go, yeah, I know, I hear this every year and it never works out. Oh man, Aaron Rodgers and Jimmy Graham are just in sync. It's amazing. Aaron Rodgers and Martellus Bennett. Oh, you should see him in practice. It's just, it's unstoppable. The defense doesn't have an answer. Yeah, and then you get in the regular season and it's a joke. It's like the Ringling Brothers Circus, but just sad. Now with that said, it would be nice to hear something about Jace. Because the default, and Aaron Rodgers likes Jimmy Graham... He's going to be hyping up Jimmy Graham. That, that's so. That's what I'm talking about when I say there's an expectation, and then there's if if there's a deviation, that's kind of when the alarm bells go off. So if he starts hyping up Jay Sternberger, that's really going to make me feel like this is maybe kind of for real, because the default would be him talking about how Jimmy Graham's going to be awesome. He's going to be great. He's going to have a bounce back year because he's going to want to support Jimmy Graham, but he's also very honest and he's also very candid and he's going to say what is the reality. He's not a big super, you know, feels guy. I mean, he's a team guy and he supports his guys, but he's going to call it like it is. And if we hear Jay Sternberger's name, that's going to be a little bit exciting because, again, the default is if, if, if everything's pretty much the same, he's going to be talking about Jimmy and Jimmy's great and Jimmy this and that and whatever. Maybe a little bit of Mercedes. And if I hear that, it's just, it's just going to fall on deaf ears for me. Um, offensive line, he's already been hyping up Billy Turner, and I don't really know what to make of that because... He's been hyping up Billy Turner primarily because of his attitude and things, which is great, but it just kind of makes me nervous because if he, we don't know if he's a good football player yet. We haven't seen hardly anything. So if he gets in practice and Aaron Rodgers keeps hyping him up, well, it's because he likes Billy Turner. So that's going to be another one that I'm, I'm it's just going to not be super whatever. Um, the, the cornerbacks, uh, you know, even that one, it's going to be a little iffy for me because you know, there's going to be there's going to be hype around certain people. I think for them, it's more what can you do in the regular season. I you know I know you get a bunch of picks in in the practices, training camps, preseason, whatever. And I know you guys are all starter caliber guys. It's just a matter of of what's your top end. I'm not going to know if Jair, Josh Jackson, or Kevin King took a step in in training camp. So I guess I'm not super interested in them. Safeties, you know, Amos is kind of the same. I think Savage would be a little bit more interesting. You know, Savage is somebody that is, especially for Savage, because his his whole thing is picks. I mean, it's not his whole thing, but it's something he's supposed to be good at. So if training camp and preseason, it's going to be a little bit easier, similar to what we saw with Josh Jackson, Jair, Tremont, they're getting a ton of picks, right? This is garbage time. This is time for Darnell to go out and really flash. And then we'll, you know, we'll still see what happens in the regular season. But if you don't hear anything about Darnell, he doesn't have an impact. That's kind of the negative thing, right? Negatives have a, a higher weight than positives. You're expected to have a lot of positives. It's when you don't have positives that it becomes kind of more of a concern. Um, Oren Burks, uh, the biggest problem with Oren, I think, is that he had a ton of hype last year. But 
I kind of didn't buy into the hype last year because everything I saw from Oren Burks didn't actually look all that great. You know, there were a couple flash plays, but I, st- I remember on the podcast going, you know, that's cool and all that he was really fast, but you saw him give up that play, right? I mean, fast is nice, but how about you make a play? So, you know, if he gets into the preseason and is actually making plays, that'll be growth, right? If, if he's covering a guy and breaks up a pass as opposed to just kind of running stride for stride with him and making a tackle after he catches it, that's significant growth in my opinion. You know, the, the Packers in general are just kind of focused on being solid. Oren Burks is the exact opposite. He's, he's just, he's Swiss cheese, he's filled with holes, but occasionally he makes a real big crazy play. It's, it's like Josh Jones all over again. Right, you see a big flash, and it's like, ooh, he's going to be so good. And then it's like eight plays of just garbage. It's like, come on, dude. If you want to play for the Packers, or any team really for that matter, but the Packers in particular, forget the splash plays. Forget the flashy. Just be solid, especially a linebacker. Just don't mess up. Safety, same thing. Like, Just make the tackle. Don't let somebody get beyond you. If it's in your range, you know, don't let somebody catch it. I love picks. And I love, you know, if you're able to come from midfield and shoot behind the line of scrimmage and, and wipe somebody out like Kevin King does that sometimes, and it's like, ooh, look at that athleticism, burn. It's like, that's that's cool, but if I have to choose between that once every 19 plays or just not letting people catch a football, I'm going to take not letting people catch a football. And you stay out of the highlight reels. I'm fine with that. You know, do such a good job in coverage they don't even throw it over there, and we never see you on camera and never hear your name, I would take that. So, Oren, for me, it's less about, let's see that crazy athleticism. Ooh, ow, wow, ooh, flashy. Just just play good football. Make right decisions. Be in the right place at the right time. Take good angles and make the tackle when it's in front of you. That's it. We want everybody to be like Luke Keekley. No, man, just, just be, just, well, I would say Jake Ryan, but everybody hates Jake Ryan. So, fine, be Blake Martinez. Blake is fine. Give me two Blakes. We're solid, dude. We got one of the better linebacking groups in the NFL if we get two Blakes. Uh, as far as the defensive line, all I care about is is Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels being healthy. I know we got uh, Kiki and all that. Not super interested. I know we got to see if Montrevious can take a step. I, I That's a similar situation where take a step. I You can't see that in training camp or preseason. Now, you can listen to the players and, and the coaches and stuff say that they took a step, and that's cool. But again, you got to kind of see it. And it will be interesting to hear of that group, right? Montrevious, Lancaster, but even that is, it's contextually, what does that mean? Montrevious is, is, has grown in a certain area. What does that translate to? I, I don't know. You know. Kingsley is looking real good out there, as in like he's going to be the number three, or he's looking real good out there in terms of he's not trash, turns out we actually got a guy that can play pro football as a backup. I, I don't know what that means. Um, but other than that, pass rushers is, is going to be huge. I mean, that that really is going to determine a lot for this team. I know um, Mike Pettin was able to generate pressure, and that's cool. But again, the Bears were able to generate pressure with just the guys up front. Mike Pettin had to be creative. He had to find crazy ways to get people at the quarterback, especially down the stretch when, when uh, Mike Daniels and Kenny Clark were injured. And it's like, we just don't have anybody with any real pass rush prowess other than Kyler Fackrell on the field. That's not a good situation to be in. Again, no disrespect to Mr. Kyler. Thank you for being awesome last year. Highest sack conversion rate, by the way, in the entire... Oh, my back. Oh. Whoo. Old man problems. Wow. Trying to pick up muggo coffee with my injured 
left back shoulder thing. Go ahead and put that on the on the right side. Whew, that'll wake you up. But um, one name I couldn't care less about is Reggie Gilbert. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be fun. You know, hopefully we get to see Reggie Gilbert at least dominate in the preseason. Um, it would be nice to hear, you know, he took a step. Again, what does that mean? I don't know. But there needs to be some form of growth for Reggie Gilbert because he can't hack it in the in the regular season. And hopefully that step is whatever step is necessary to make that translate. But anyways, getting back to what I was talking about before my sports injury, the Bears were able to get home with just bringing the front guys. We, we need to be able to generate, you know, if we're rushing three or four, that needs to be fine, right? Rashawn Gary, Zadarius Smith, Kenny Clark, and, and Mike Daniel, right? Just get four guys out there in our nickel defense and just let that be good enough. I was looking at it, um, and I know I've mentioned this a thousand times, but I, I just barely started scratching the surface, but, uh, but I downloaded all that PFF info, and um, if you look at it, as I've said before, the, the Bears, the Vikings, and the Lions all have a better pass rusher, a uh, better number one pass rusher in terms of pressure percentage than the Packers do. However, I don't think that there is one team, if I'm remembering this right, I might be getting it wrong. I think every other team, Bears, Lions, and Vikings, do not have one other pass rusher in the top 64, I think it was. And I think the Packers have four, which is to say there are four pass rushers that the Green Bay Packers have that are basically either number one or number two pass rush quality players, right? I'm just using that top 32 metric. You know, if you're, if you're a, a number one pass rusher, you need to at least be in the top 32. And odds are, if you're in the top, if you're number 32, you're probably not that good but that that's that's an awesome situation to be in it just needs to be able to translate and whether or not it does I think is really going to have a big impact on the season if we've got two number one pass rushers and two number two pass rushers this is a good group and I couldn't care any less if we don't have Khalil Mack if we don't have Daniil Hunter if we don't whatever I don't care Trey Flowers can go pound sand man but um I actually think I think Rashawn might be one of the bigger ones because he's such a big question mark He's so unbelievably valuable if he's really good, and it's so unbelievably devastating if he's really bad. Even if he's just kind of mediocre, that's not good enough, right? He's got that super, super good potential. I mean, he, he you know, again, the best comp I think that there is for him is Daniil Hunter. Boy, oh boy, would I love to have a Daniil Hunter on our team. The guy who led the league in sacks last year, yeah, I want that guy on our team. Opposite Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith. With Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels in the middle. It just, oh, that might be the number one. Which makes sense because he was our number one overall pick. But again, as much as I'd love to hear Savage do well, a a premier pass rusher with Zadarius being our number two and Preston being our number three, when in reality Preston is a solid number two pass rusher. And, And to be completely honest, on some teams he would be a number one. That's a phenomenal situation to be in, and it's really going to be that kind of a, a thing. I mean, he, he really is such a key piece, because if he can do that, it's going to free up so much stuff that Mike Patton's going to be able to do. So again, it's uh, a lot of this time of the year is really going to be trying to read between the, the, the lines, reading the tea leaves kind of thing, to where you got to understand what you're expecting to hear, and then understand when things deviate from that. And hearing positive things about players, especially when it's just blanket statements, especially, especially when a question is asked by a reporter and then they give just sort of a, a bland, boring statement, that is not news. It'll, it'll be in every article you can find anywhere, right? If a reporter says, how's Rashawn Gary doing? And they say something to the effect of Rashawn Gary's making great progress. 
Really like what I'm seeing out of there. He's starting to pick up the playbook. We're seeing progression every day, and that's really what we're looking for. And then there's 65 articles written by every Packers website, every national website or whatever that, that Matt LaFleur says, or Mike Patton or whoever was asked, Rashawn Gary's looking really good in training camp. Somebody to watch out for. No, that's not true. To summarize, somebody said, how's Rashawn Gary doing? Matt LaFleur said, good. It's like when somebody passes you in the hallway and it's like, hey, how you doing? Good, are you? I'm not good. I'm at work. Of course I'm not good. This is horrible. I'm just saying good because I don't care and you don't care. And it's a formality and it just makes things less awkward as we pass each other in the hallway. We don't need to write an article about that. You don't need to go home and tell your wife, I made a new friend today. His name is Ryan. He asked me how I was doing in the hallway. Which is the exact equivalent of what reporters do when they ask a question and somebody answers it with a blanket nothing statement. Hey Aaron, how's Marquez doing? He's doing great. I think he's going to make some real strides in this new offense. Headline, MVS making crazy strides in Matt LaFleur's new scheme. Could he be the number one? Just, I don't know what's going to happen. Just please, when you see that stuff, just don't. Don't. Just don't. And like I've always said, go to the source. Right? It's That's cool, right? Read the article like, oh, wow, he said that? That's cool. But understand the con. Like, it, it's different if somebody says, who's been standing out to you in camp? And they say, really? It's been Rashawn Gary. He's, he's playing out of his mind. He, he's, he's, he's picked the, the playbook up faster than anybody else. His work ethic is crazy. Guys in the locker room love him. He's going to be a really good player for us. That's something to listen to. How's Rashawn Gary doing? He's doing great. He's picking it up. Wildly different things. But you knew that. Why don't we take one more quick little break and then talk about a couple other things, and I gots to get going. So I saw um, Chris in the Facebook group mention something about the the Madden rating. I gotta be honest, I'm blown away by this. I'm not super surprised that people on Twitter and Facebook are freaking out about Madden ratings. I am beyond shocked that football players are freaking out about this. This is the dumbest thing. Usually what happens is fans go crazy coaches and players call fans dumb and the coaches and the players are right right you guys are reacting to something that's really dumb and has nothing to do with anything and i'm sitting here waiting for that to happen waiting for players to be like you know it's a game right like this has no bearing on anything these guys are freaking out a million articles about this guy's not he's so angry about his madden rating and you know akeem hicks is crying about his madden rating yeah why don't you come see me like, what, what are you going to do? You fight somebody over this? What are you talking about? Tredavious White said his team is going to use Madden as motivation. Dude. Chill. Why are you crying about a video game? The only thing I could think is a lot of football players, like a lot of people, you know, I mean, they're, they're just young guys. Most young guys have played Madden. I haven't really played it in years other than on my phone occasionally. Play that weird Madden version. Mobile version of Madden. But I used to play it all the time. I'm guessing most young guys did. So maybe these football players are super jacked because it's like, dude, I grew up playing Madden. Now I'm on Madden. I can't wait. What's my rating? It must be super great. And then it's just like soul crushing because this is something that you've loved and it just spit in your face. Except it didn't because most of the ratings people are crying about seem pretty accurate to me. And everybody gets so up in arms and they're trying to like twist things and make it kind of crazy. Like why it should be different. The only thing I can't figure out, which is funny because everybody's freaking out about something. I'm trying to figure out why Madden 20 is essentially 2019 with 2018 
grades, right? The grades are based on 2018. The season is 2019, but we're going to call it 2020. None of that makes sense to me. But anyways, I am excited. I got a little little side project I'm going to be working on with uh, with a listener who reached out involving Madden 20 and YouTube, and that's all you need to know. But that should be fun. But yeah, I think it's uh, pretty pathetic. I'm curious what the coaches are, are thinking, because I'm, I'm still waiting for the one voice of reason to come out and say it's a stupid video game. What are you talking about? I'm assuming the coaches are going to be doing that, but part of me is worried that the coaches are going to come out and play along with this. And be like, this is an outrage. We're going to show the world. Gave my team a 72 overall rating. I don't know. The world's going crazy, man. Anyways, the last thing that I want to comment on, Mark in the Facebook group talked about this whole 18-game um, you know, season or whatever that's being proposed or talked about or is being proposed to be proposed about. I think it's kind of cool, but not for the NFL. I like it from the standpoint of it like ups the, the strategy. Like if you want to do something like that in your, your fantasy football league, that would be like a cool little twist. I think if the XFL wanted to run with this, that would be kind of cool, right? A little twist. Because it just changes the, the dynamics of your strategy. The problem, well, there's a lot of problems, but the, the first problem that came to my mind is it's just too drastic for the NFL. And I know they keep making changes, and I like change because it, it allows the, the cream to rise to the, cr- the, the top or the, the cream of the, the crop rises rises up. That's what it is. Put it on a T-shirt. But it, it's just, it's too, I mean, teams have built their entire roster based on this 16-game season in which everybody gets to play all the time. If you suddenly switch that, everything needs to change. I mean, just even even the, the value of of your quarterback, because now you need, he, he's only 16 18ths as valuable, and the, the value of your backup, everybody becomes super valuable. I mean, how, how valuable does a guy like Billy Turner become on a team, right? A guy that, you know, you're going to have to basically have a floater offensive lineman. A guy that's going to play, you know, two games at right tackle, two games at left tackle, two games at right guard, two games at left guard. You're going to have to have, you know, hopefully you can play center. If not, you're going to have somebody else that needs to be able to play center. I mean, what do you do with kickers? You're going to have a second guy. There's just, it's too much. It, it's, it's too reminiscent of just a different game when, when, you, when you do that. Beyond that, I heard a couple other pretty good points about it. Uh, number one being, if you were to ask the commissioner, for example, what the biggest problem is, it's the fact that preseason is just a garbage product. You have players that are not starters playing games that are not fun to watch at a low quality, and we're charging people too much money for it. And essentially all we're doing is we're adding two more of those type of games, unless we're talking about cutting two preseason. But either way, we're essentially now taking two preseason games and just making them regular season games in which they count. In other words, instead of doing it in the beginning of the season when it doesn't matter, we're going to put it at the end of the season when playoff implications are on the line. That doesn't make any sense. So it's it's just it's too drastic. You know, how how does a, I mean are you going to bump up the 53 man roster now that we have to have two kickers and two long snappers and two punters? Is it going to change the dynamics so now you need to have a guy that can kick and punt? Your kickers are not going to be the punters because we can't afford to have two of each. we got to have two guys that can kick and punt, technically. Can you imagine missing a field goal with your backup kicker to, to get eliminated from the play? I mean, that would, there would be riots, riots in the streets. And how, how, does the, uh, how do the playoffs work? Can everybody just play then? Or I don't mind the idea of adding games. And I can respect the fact that they looked at it and said, we want to try to find a way to add games, but not add more 
injury risk or whatever to the players. And uh, and by the way, the whole argument about money, I, I'm so tired of hearing about that, as if players are victims of some sort. Give me a break. Oh, you want them to play more, but you don't want to pay them more. First of all, if there's 18 games, there's going to be more revenue. More revenue means higher salary cap, which means more money to the players. It might take a year. There might be a delay or a lag, but the players are going to get paid more. So relax. Beyond that, Aaron Rodgers is doing just fine. He's not going to get a new, more profitable schedule. Excuse me, a new, more profitable contract because he just got paid. Some of the guys are not going to be getting new contract. But you know what? They're doing just fine. I think part of the problem with the NFL being a bad product is because of the players and the union negotiating in favor of the players and the league bending over backwards to their whims. I'm not worried about the players and the union and them getting getting raked over the coals. Give me a break. They need to stop crying. Guys are getting hurt because they're not in football shape because they're not allowed to practice. The more we baby the players, the more injuries there are. The more protective the helmets are and everything else, the more injuries there are. That's scientifically proven. Because now that they can't feel pain, they're using their head as a weapon. They've got a league out there. I was watching it for a while. They don't wear pads or helmets. Guess how many times people lead with their head? Zero. Seems a little counterintuitive unless you just think for one second about the implications of that. When you feel pain, when you know that there's no protection for your face, then if you hit this guy with your face, you're going to bust your nose in half. You're not going to run nose first into a guy. Suddenly, tackling form is fixed instantly. So let's stop babying them. They get paid a lot of money. They need to be practicing a lot. They need to be practicing earlier. They need to be doing two-a-days. They need to be hitting each other. Yes, occasionally somebody's going to snap their leg, and that's unfortunate, but guess what? That's going to happen anyways. These guys not being in regular football shape, and for that reason, because nobody's ready, preseason is garbage, and not only that, as I've been saying for a long time, September football is preseason for the starters because they don't even play starters in preseason. So the starters get their preseason in September, and the first four weeks of the regular season are starters playing like garbage. I don't find that to be acceptable, and I like that the NFL is trying to fix that. This is just not the right solution. If anything, I'd rather have 18 games and two bye weeks. The NFL gets its revenue. Teams are only playing 17 of the 18 weeks. It's only one more game. Or we can just leave it how it is because I enjoy football the way it is. And the more the NFL touches things and messes with things, the more they just make the product worse. Just stop. Just leave it alone, all right? But really, I wouldn't mind that. Take, take away two preseason games. Make those regular season games. That's going to force in those two preseason games a lot of starters to start because guess what? These are your only two preseason games. If you're benching your starters, you're getting in kind of a lot of trouble. So that first preseason game is probably going to be all starters, and then maybe the next one they're going to do, uh, you know, all second and third string for one game of evaluation, which maybe isn't enough, but maybe I don't care so much because I want real football, not silliness. Evaluate your guys in practice, which I know is hard Because the players have cried a bunch and now there is no more practice. But maybe the NFL should get a backbone in the new CBA and say, guess what, you guys are going to have to practice now. Enough of this two and a half hours in shorts, four days, five days a week, and then go play video games in the dorms. I'm sure you're doing other stuff, but it's just, come on, man. I'm tired of this lowest common denominator thing. How about the people that want to work hard? We just let them work hard. If people want to show up and, and go to the facility and work hard, let them do it. Well, no, because then everyone's going to feel pressured to do it, and then nobody's going to be taking vacations. Guess what? Limited window, man. These guys are going to retire at 30 years old, never have to work again. If they have to put in a couple years of their life of working every day like the rest of us have to do, I kind of don't feel bad about that. 
You mean they have to play football with their friends and go to the gym and work out? That's this horrible travesty that we need to avoid? Is making everybody feel compelled to go work hard? To be good at football? So we're going to ban people from going to the facility or talking to their coaches so that it's an evil, even playing field? And again, not even as far as everybody has to do it, even as far as lowest common denominator. So we're going we're gonna to lower it down to the laziest player and make all players not try hard. You're not allowed to try hard. If you want to go work out, fine, but you're not allowed to talk to your coaches. You're not allowed to go to the facility. And when you do show up to the facility, you're not allowed to train hard. You're not allowed to hit. You're not allowed to tackle. And you also must wear a tutu, mandatory yoga and sensitivity training. Come on, man. Silliness. Absolute silliness. And we, and again, we've got people all over Twitter crying for the, for the players. I don't know if they're just sucking up, hoping they can get some of these players to be friends with them. Which, by the way, that ain't going to happen, man. Give it up. Multi-millionaire sitting on an island somewhere, sipping a pina colada, going on Twitter crying about how the NFL makes so much money and they don't give us any. Get out of my face, dummy. These teams don't even... What, what, what was it like? Oh, NFL teams got like 200 and some million dollars. Like, oh yeah, look how much money they get. Dude, the salary cap was like 200 million. That money all went to you. You guys get so much money. And the Packers' total generated revenue was what? Their income was $200,000? Oh, those rich, evil people, which doesn't even pay to keep the lights on at Lambeau. The Oakland Raiders don't have enough money to even pay their players. They're out of cash. Quit crying. I'm tired of hearing about it. Well, 18 games. Just just forget it. I feel like I'm trying to tell my four-year-old son to pick up his toys in the living room. Just starts bawling his eyes out and flailing around. Spends two hours explaining to me why he's too tired and can't do it. Expending all that time and energy when it could have taken him 30 seconds to pick up his four toys. Forget it. Never mind. I'll get it. It's not worth my energy or my time. Hearing you cry about stuff. Sorry your life is so horrible. My condolences. But anyways, yeah, 18-game season thing isn't going to work. And again, my preference is just stop touching stuff. If we're going to change things, let's start rewinding a little bit. Let's go backwards. Stop going forwards because we just keep messing stuff up. Let the coaches move forward with their innovation in in scheme and all that, that's kind of cool. They're doing a really good job and things tend to get better. The owners, when they try to do stuff, they're not very good at things. Just stop. Anyways, that's it. I'm done. You folks have a fantastic Wednesday. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.